and welcome to the Open Source Underdogs podcast. I'm your host, Mike Schwartz, and for this episode, we're breaking format. Today's episode is about the Open Core Summit in San Francisco from September 18th to 19th. That's September 2019, in case you're listening to this podcast after it's too late. That's really soon, so if you don't have your tickets, get them now. With me today is Joseph Jacks, founder of OSS Capital and founder of the Open Core Summit. He's going to help fill in some of the blanks about what this conference is about. Joseph, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So what's the origin story of the Open Core Summit? The Open Core Summit really was an idea of a friend of mine named Marco Palladino. He's the co-founder and CTO of a, a really great COS commercial open source software company called Kong. They're the company behind the Kong API gateway management platform. And Marco and I were actually at reInvent, I believe, late last year in 2018, talking about commercial open source business models. And Kong uses one of the sort of the most widely implemented and uh, sort of successful business models for commercial open source companies, which is this sort of open core approach. They have the open source permissively licensed core project, and then they add value around that with differentiated experiences for enterprises that materialize as hosted cloud services and packaged offerings and security, machine learning, monitoring and logging and, and packaging and overall sort of robust performance and, and security SLAs and so on. They are a really interesting company. Marco's a, a really smart uh, and brilliant friend. And so I, I sort of took that idea and sat on it for <laughs> sort of several months. We wanted to actually do a conference in May, but uh, the last nine months have been pretty insane. So Open Core Summit is really about galvanizing and celebrating the category of commercial open source software, which really represents like the companies that exist to commercialize core open source software projects that are the fundamental basis for a given company. So for example, like Red Hat wouldn't exist without Linux. Elastic wouldn't exist without Elasticsearch. Hortonworks Cloudera wouldn't exist without Hadoop. Redis wouldn't exist without Redis the project. Alfresco without uh, Alfresco, Acquia without Drupal. Databricks without Spark. Datastacks without Cassandra and so on. So we sort of classify commercial open source software companies or, or COSS companies, COSS companies, as companies that fundamentally wouldn't exist if the core open source project didn't exist. And sort of in, in thinking pretty deeply about this, tracking the the fundamentals of the ecosystem, lots of activity, particularly over 2018, the timing for a sort of community ecosystem conference on a global basis that really serves to kind of bring together a wide range of ideas and, and perspectives and opinions across, in particular, founders and, and open source maintainers and contributors, but also executives, uh, enterprises, enterprise customers, cloud providers, investors, uh, analysts, and so on really in, in a sort of format of a, of a conference that could sort of scale geographically and, and serve to kind of be the basis for knowledge sharing and networking and best practices and collaboration and sort of just like kind of a common meeting place for, for ideas and, and evolution. That was really the sort of core inspiration for Open Core Summit. And we're, we're obviously really excited to have the first one coming up in a few weeks here in, um, in San Francisco for the Palace of Fine Arts, September 19th and 20th. And uh, really honored to have kind of phenomenal lineup of founders of companies like Fastly, Elastic, Confluent, Kong, 
Alfresco, Red Hat, Amazon, Google, and many other companies. Awesome. So what types of people are registering for this event? So it's a combination of, of all the folks I mentioned, kind of all those different constituents, open source maintainers, founders, executives that work at kind of commercial open source ecosystem landscape. So folks in product marketing and engineering and hiring, strategy, finance, uh, licensing, go-to-market, and cloud provide, lots of the cloud provider kind of community is, is attending and supporting. We're seeing a good amount of sort of infrastructure, IT, enterprise, and user community. Uh, we actually have a track dedicated to the enterprise kind of voice and perspective. So enterprises consume and purchase commercial open source technology from, from the vendor ecosystem. So if you look at a bank or insurance, media, telco, Fortune 2000, Fortune 500 company, and they're, they're on the sort of buy side, kind of consumer procurement side of, of commercial open source. And so increasingly sort of big, you know, two big shifts and things are happening there. Obviously, there's a move to the cloud, move to managed services and, you know, Amazon, Azure, Google, but also a, a simultaneous and sort of in tandem move to commercial open source, which is sort of relying and leaning on, on the vendor ecosystem there as every enterprise is sort of adopting open source from the bottom up through, through developers into uh, corporate IT. And they really need to work with vendors to kind of harden and build trusted solutions and kind of lean on those vendors for production assur- assurances. So vendors like like Elastic and Confluent and, and obviously Red Hat, many other companies that provide a variety of, of business models and services around the open source projects they maintain are very appealing to CIOs and CTOs at, at Fortune 2000 companies. And so we, we hope to see over time, lots of participation from that uh, user community as, as well. I think biggest concentration we'll probably see at the first conference is a lot of interest, in, at least from what we're seeing so far, in registrations over over the next few weeks, I think that'll further materialize is open source maintainers and uh, founders, sort of aspiring founders as well, kind of along the spectrum. So from sort of idea stage to folks working on a company or interested in building and scaling a company, looking at you know potential options for funding, looking at potential options for hiring and strategy, go to market, variety of things like that. And really kind of selfishly, I think we want to kind of pay most attention to that constituency, mostly because I think part of part of the sort of sustainability conversation is really going to concentrate around how we can support and enable and and kind of provide tools and learning frameworks and access into folks who've built and scaled you know projects and repositories from sort of like first commit through to an IPO for the next generation of open source founders, open source creators and maintainers. What do you think are the biggest challenges today for companies using open source as part of their business? I think some of the biggest challenges kind of revolve around contribution and sort of expectations and dynamic around security, the vendor ecosystem, and really what open source means kind of fundamentally. At the end of the day, a lot of those issues and challenges don't really look like challenges and issues if you dig hard enough. Basically, every company on earth uses open source and they use it very heavily. The, the sort of converse is not true, though, in terms of contributing back and giving back to those projects. When it comes down to code commits and, and actual, actual engineering investment, a very small fraction of enterprises will actually go and have dedicated ex- explicit mandates to contribute back upstream. Having said that, even if those mandates and ex- sort of explicit initiatives and sort of open source program offices don't exist, even if they don't exist, what does happen, which is great, 
is a pretty significant fraction of developers who actually use and consume open source will you know file a bug report or even potentially fix something really minor you know potentially if something really jumps out to them and, and, and touches and inspires them they'll actually maybe 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 even spend time maintaining and contrib- contributing engineering time to a project so i think it's it's a sort of a high entropy very hard to measure and sort of make universal statements about kind of dynamic mostly because we, we just don't we don't really know and we don't have a way to determine the extent of contribution back into open source from from the consumer side from whether it's enterprises or cloud providers and what have you and, and there's quite a lot of reports and interesting things there but i don't believe we can make categorically sort of universal statements about uh, about you know what what is or isn't happening obviously there there are, there are instances where you just know most you know most companies consume and take more than they give but i guess having said all that whenever this question comes up because it's a very common question you know what are the biggest challenges and this the sort of contribution and giving back topic always comes up i always think of a quote by doug cutting who was the um, engineer creator behind apache lucene apache hadoop and, and a few other things and what he said is it's sort of insane to expect proportional contribution back to open source um, relative to value received from it or or uh, or benefits received from it. i'm paraphrasing slightly um, I tend to agree with Doug, and I think that that's the sort of correct way to think about about open source in terms of the the give and take dynamic. But there's lots of interesting evolution here, lots of lots of really cool projects and uh, initiatives happening these days. So it's 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 a cool time to be in the community. Putting on your investor hat for a second, I was re- recently reading an S one, and the only mention of open source was as a risk that there could be some liability around this company's use of open source. Is this view changing? And a company's use of open source to investors just sort of like a non sequitur? I think probably more the latter, and I hope it changes. We've seen one commercial open source IPO this year, which is Fastly. And so Fastly fundamentally wouldn't wouldn't be where they are today and, and you know, arguably wouldn't exist without Varnish, the um, edge cache uh, proxy technology they build wide range of products on on top of their cdn among other things and fastly calls out open source quite quite extensively in their s1 it has a pretty prominent position i think it depends on the company so if you look at you know WeWork or cloudflare other companies that might you know you know maybe peloton i think ben thompson from stratechery actually wrote a post earlier today about like what constitutes a tech company what what's what's the sort of definition of a tech company if we sort of like follow the like logical reasoning of are all companies becoming tech companies? Well, you know, maybe let's just say yes. And then are all tech companies software companies? Okay. Well, most tech companies use software pretty heavily. And then further to that, are all software companies heavily reliant on open source? That, that's a definite yes. And so, you know, you could sort of like make the recursive loop back to, you know, are all companies becoming tech companies? Ultimately, you know, are all companies heavily reliant on open source? And so that's kind of like a massive global macro dependency. I'd say that in that light, over time, I think we'll see more prominence and understanding in the public markets, the retail investor landscape, and whether it's IPOs or you know, increasingly direct listings, which are potentially more appealing and interesting than, than IPOs, recognition and acknowledgement of open source as sort of a fundamental driver for innovation. I hope we see that shift. I, one of the passing things that we have on our plate over, over at OSS Capital is to dig into um, the recent flurry of S1s that, that, that really are software company S1s and determine how 
how extensively they call out open source as part of their company positioning and product strategy and sort of differentiation and so on. As you point out, most of the references to open source are listed in the risks section due to, well, it's mostly due to trademark, IP protection, and risks around that. So it's sort of kind of like a common line item there in the risks section that that lawyers kind of put down. In fact, if you sort of look at maybe five or 10 S1s, the, the, the wording is almost identical. So it is kind of boiler, boilerplate. But companies like Elastic or Pivotal or Fastly, Hortonworks, a handful of others that are commercial open source companies having IPO'd over the last 18 months, you'll see much more extensive acknowledgement and, and sort of elaboration on, on open source as part of their strategies. But I, I think even in those cases, it's not quite articulated enough as the sort of fundamental driver and, and building block for why those companies are, are different and why they sort of like have have the ability to create more value than, say, companies that are fundamentally closed and, and proprietary at the core. Do you see any emerging themes in the sessions? I think the biggest common thing the speakers are looking to talk about is how business models are evolving and the topic of what defines open source and, and what does open source licensing look like in the era of core license innovation. So we've seen lots of source, quote unquote, source available licenses that actually are not open source licenses in, in, in the sense of adhering to the sort of permissiveness definitions laid out by the OSI or for that matter, the Free Software Foundation or the copyleft evolutions of, of the last couple few decades. I'd say that more interest in business models and licensing will probably be the case for this first conference. And, and over time, I think what we hope will happen is a sort of elaboration and content focus on, on why, why product development is different in a commercial open source context, why go to market is different, why engineering is different, why hiring is different. Because all those, all those functions quite differently from like a, a behavioral and an implementation perspective inside of these commercial open source companies as compared to previous generation fundamentally closed source proprietary software technology companies. Well, Joseph, that sounds like it's going to be quite an event. And I wanted to say thank you for joining us today. And we'll see you in about two weeks. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. Joseph has just done a fantastic job putting together an action-packed two-day agenda. Many of the guests that you've heard on this podcast will be at the summit, like Afar Bengal of Redis, Martin Dugiamis of Moodle, Tom Hatch of SaltStack, Emil Ephraim of Neo4j, John Newton of Alfresco, Jay Kreps of Confluent, Michael Howard of MariaDB, Paul Dix of Influx Data, Sid Sibrandage from GitLab, and several others you'll hear in future episodes. In fact, we'll be recording two episodes in person at the summit. So if you're a founder, developer, investor, analyst, or just a person excited to learn, meet, and collaborate on all things at the intersection of open source software and business, this conference is definitely for you. Thanks to Melissa Park for helping to schedule the podcast amidst all the chaos of planning a conference. Transcription and episode audio can be found on opensourceunderdogs.com. Music from Broke for Free and Chris Zabriskie. Audio editing by Inez Satenji. Production assistance and transcription by Natalie Lau. Operational support from William Lau. If you have any comments or thoughts, tweet at us. Our handle is at FOSS Podcast. 
That's F-O-S-S podcast. As promised, the next podcast will feature Peter Zaitsev from Percona. We'll push that one next week. Until then, thanks for listening.